You're listening to a Skewed Orbit original podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to Highly Unlikely. I'm your host, Alex Gatlin, and this is the show where I get my friends high and teach them about a subject that is so bizarre, it seems highly unlikely, but it is 100% true. Now my guest today is a very funny comic, and I've had some people on before who do podcasting, but she is a legit professional podcaster. She hosts three different shows and has a listenership of downloads 10 million across her three shows. Is that correct? Yeah. We'll plug them all at the end. We'll make sure we include them all. But my favorite of her shows is Cult. It's a great podcast. Her co-host, Armando Torres, we had on last season. We learned about ancient Egypt. And this episode, we're going to learn about one of the biggest cults of them all, the U.S. public school system. Oh, hell yes. Okay, I'm down because I did not go to public school. You so did I have no idea. Okay. start by asking my guests so weed cannabis thc mm. all that good stuff you're not a frequent consumer no. from what you told me uh-uh. i was actually as i was getting dressed to come here i was like when was the last time i smoked weed and i think it was four years ago wow <laughs> yeah it's been a while dude i'm honored you broke it for this show I mean, man. here's the thing i i don't mind and i'm around it all the time yeah i'm a comedian so it's yeah. just constant it's just not something i tend to do as a hobby and so mm. I just, I didn't realize it had been that long, but yeah. Yeah, because I was, when I was messaging with you before and you were like, I might cough, I I don't smoke much. I'm like, well, we could do some edibles. You're like, no, definitely, (laughs) yeah, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was about four years ago, honestly. Yeah. Uh, And I, even just when smoking, my thing is paranoia. Like, Mm -hmm. that's my side effect. Sure. And with the edibles, it's a pretty common one. It's a pretty common one. Uh, Yeah. But smoking it, it's not as bad. It's enough that I can be like, shh, it's fine. We're on drugs now. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah. But with the edible, I almost ended up in the hospital. Not because I needed to go to the hospital. Right. But because I had convinced myself that I needed to go to the hospital. That's like the classic I I got too high story. There's like that famous uh, viral video where there's some cops. Have you seen this one? Yeah. And they eat the pot brownies and they call 911 on themselves. I think I'm having an overdose of this girl as my wife. Overdose of what? Marijuana. I don't know if it had something in it. Can you please send rescue? Do you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just, I think we're dying. Okay, how much did you guys have? I, I don't know. We made brownies, and I think we're dead. Time is going by really, 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 really slow. I also love the guy who, I guess it's salvia, not weed, where okay. he does a bunch of salvia, and then he sits, and he has his phone up, so it's like facing his face, and he just goes, oh, what? And then he turns the camera, and it's just a cat. <laughs> I love that. But that's like, that's the level of paranoia that that yeah. edible got me to is like, I'm actively dying. Salvia, I, I don't, I call that like gas station drugs. Cause I just, <laughs> it is. I feel that's they, accurate. They, they, wasn't there a time where they sold it at gas stations? You know what it's I mean? It's right there next to the pills that are like rhino cock. Like yeah. those. Yeah. All right. So anyway, let's jump into our episode. Let's okay. So you did not go to public school at all. I did not go to public school. What at kind all. of school did you go to? I went to private school, a uh, private Christian school from preschool through 12th grade. Wow. What's the denomination of Christianity? Uh, non, non-denomination, okay. which is a denomination sure. in and of itself. I'm sure you kind of encountered it a bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, real, real bland. Uh, the kind that you see on TV. We I recently got into Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. Because I find it somewhat cathartic. Okay. Um, we weren't Did that. Did you have an exp- No, you didn't. It wasn't like that for you. It wasn't that flashy. Okay. It wasn't that big. But yeah. it's that same kind of vibe, mm. I would say. But toned way, way down. Sure. Because we weren't in a huge church. Okay. Like that, so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, um, I grew up Jewish. Okay. Um, but like chill. Like I didn't, I wasn't in the like. <laughs> Jewish, but the fun kind. Well, the term was reform. I don't know if oh, you, yeah, yeah. you're okay. familiar. Yeah, okay. yeah, For those who don't know, reform is like the most like kind of laid back. Conservative is in the middle. Then orthodox are the folks you tend to see that are like very traditional garb and mm-hmm. stuff. And then my wife, she grew up like her, if I remember correctly, her mother Unitarian, the one that's okay. like the most like hippie friend. It's hippie Christians, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then her dad 
uh, goes to like a traditional like mega church. So I had a mix of private and public. I was in public school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and then I went to a private school for high school. Okay. That's what a lot of people do it because you want to get into a good college. Yeah. 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 And it, mm -hmm. that helped. And I, um, I didn't have a great time in oh, middle bummer. school. I'm sorry. Middle, well, you know, I, it, I wasn't there. But. I'm way past it. But thank you. <laughs> I was, yeah. especially seventh, eighth grade, really not a good time for me. I mean, mm. like, it was, I was fine. But like, you know, just that angsty, awkward, I didn't really have any friends that I liked. Mm. I felt like I wasn't challenged in school. And I got very lucky. I got a scholarship into a boarding school. Oh, and, oh, so like you went to extreme private school. Yeah, but okay. but people were like, your parents shipped you off. It's like, it was a better situation for me. I mean, yeah. honestly, we, so whenever we played like sports and stuff, we were in the same district as some boarding schools mm -hmm. and some kids just fucking loved it. Like, well, it's I like summer you, camp year round. I will tell you, and we'll get to the uh, episode in a minute. I do, I sometimes I just jump right in, but you know, listen, yeah. we're, we're setting the stage. We're vibing. This is actually very relevant to talk about some of the craziness of how the school system was built up in the country. Private boarding school was awesome for mm -hmm. me. So there were like two kinds of kids. There was a kind of kid like me who had a very nice family life, who wanted a good, ch like new experience that would mm -hmm. challenge me in different ways, socially and academically. And that's what I needed school-wise, but like I had great parents. I'm mm -hmm. very, you know, I'm very close to them still. The other half of the kids were like fucked up rich kids. Like your stereotypical. Yeah. Like I had one kid in my school who um, both of his parents were like renowned surgeons and they would like fly around the world and like teach other doctors and like doctors in other countries how to do like new forms of spine surgery. Damn. Like they were like so incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they probably shouldn't have had kids. So like mm. his, this kid grew up in board. He didn't even know his parents. I mean, he technically knew them. Yeah. But, like, he spent his whole life in boarding school. Like, and when you're that busy. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to jump into how the U.S. school system was built. And I'll, we'll get into this more in a little bit. But the spoiler, it was literally created to brainwash people to be ready to be robots in the workforce. Honestly, this does not surprise me because I also believe that the privatization of prisons factors into this. This is my, one of my many oh, conspiracy yeah. theories. And, and a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, it's not even like a conspiracy theory. There's like documents of course, and public yeah. record to back all of it up. But going way, way back, the first example of compulsory school that was required actually was in ancient Greece. So the Greeks, have you ever seen the movie 300? Oh, absolutely. So when they would send boys off to learn how to be warriors? Yeah. It was a real thing. Yeah, that's where they get their abs. Yeah. They like hand them out. <laughs> yeah, so at seven years old, you just went and learned. You had to kill um, a wolf in a little crevasse, and then they yeah. hand you your abs, and then you go off to war. There you go. They just like you turn yeah. in Gerard Butler. Yep. You somehow have a perfect beard and no body hair whatsoever. None, none at all. Yeah. Uh, and your mom is like, Come back with your shield or on right. it, you know, <laughs> real tiger mom energy. But fast forwarding, you know, thousands of years into the, you know, somewhat, not modern day, but, you know, yeah. back to the 1800s. What is now today Germany, okay. which was known as Prussia, yes. went to war against Napoleon mm -hmm. and they lost terribly. Mm -hmm. And so the government and the kind of people in society were like, hey, the reason we lost is because our men were not obedient enough. They were, there was too much free thought and independent thinking. This is like real, what they said. Uh, well, that's the thing with, with the armed services. I yes. mean, that that's another case of like, we're going to break you so you do what we say. Like, that's the point of boot camp. That's yeah. the whole reason. Yeah. So the Prussian school system, which mm -hmm. became the inspiration for how we designed our schools here. I'll get to that more in a bit. That was orchestrated by a guy named Johann Fitch. And talking about his inspiration, how he wanted to design the school, this is an exact quote. He said, quote, the schools must fashion the person and fashion him in such a way that he simply cannot will otherwise than what we wish him to will. So Yikes. straight up, we need to brainwash them. Well, yeah. I mean, also, this is, I mean, this is pre-Germany, but that region, and there's a lot of that kind of attitude and vibe as they go into both World War One and then yeah. World War Two, well, like that's the baseline for what happens. Really, I know. I feel like I hear like we must stop the like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also, not surprisingly, said that the Jews would lead to the destruction of the Prussian state. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Germany, it's, so you know, it's around that time. But yeah. there's kind of like you see the sort of like. This doesn't, it's not a far step to see, oh, that's how we ended up with the Nazis. Yeah. Well, um, and with the anti-Semitism, I think a huge part of that is because they want to see them as other and part of the way to get people to do what you want and to like 
everyone do the same thing is to make everyone feel like a collective. Like there's oh, yeah. a huge power in people feeling like they're part of something. Yeah. And if you can other someone else, that's just further kind of yeah. connecting the people who are in the fun group or the like preferred group. It's almost like when there's elections, people find ways to other each other in this country. <laughs> I mean, th- you could talk about that in any country. <laughs> no, of course. It's it's honestly human history. And I will tell you from this is uh the 14th episode I think I've done of this show. Okay. Um as so we do a lot of stuff on history and things and it's just like, "Oh yeah, it happened with the Aztecs. It happened mm-hmm. With, you know, Tesla versus Edison. It happened with the Egyptians. It's Tesla just, versus Edison. That's yeah. a wild one. Yeah. It was a really good one. Yeah. But it was, yeah, literally created to basically train obedience to have strong soldiers that were well fit for the military. One of the things that was really popular in the Prussian school system was corporal punishment. Yep. That's specifically punishing kids. So much so that one teacher, you know, like imagine reflecting on your life as mm-hmm. an educator. Mm-hmm. What do you think you would want to highlight? <laughs> Right? How many kids you spanked? Well, that's what this guy did. <laughs> Is that okay? what he did? <laughs> so this one of like, you know, acclaimed teachers that kept records, he said of his 51 years, he didn't keep a lot of records of like how many people he taught about the great works of Shakespeare or something. Mm-hmm. He wrote down that he gave out over 51 years, 911,527 blows with a rod, 124,010 blows with a cane. And 20,889 hits with a ruler. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do math. It's on, more than a million on collectively. weed brain. And that's a lot. And over 51 years, which sounds like a long time. But when you think about how many days are in a year, how many school days are in a year, how many children are at this school. First of all, that guy must have been jacked because apparently he was, <laughs> every day was arm day. But yeah. then like. How many kids did he hit and how many times did he hit them? Yeah, that would be good because I wonder if he picked out a few or he like was even and gave well, it out. I, I feel like this is the point in this episode where I should reveal that I changed schools uh, mm, between fifth and sixth grade. Okay. And the school that I went to in sixth grade still allowed spanking. Are you serious? I am dead serious. What year was uh, so you're th- the, I'm I'm 34. This yeah. would have been 2000. No, this would have been about 1998. Yeah, that feels like the very end of when you could still do so that. So literally, it, it was that way for like a year. And then the next year, they're like, we're not doing this anymore. So and even the year I did it, I don't remember it happening to anyone. Like, I don't remember anyone getting called in to do it. I don't remember that being a thing. Uh, I think it was just one of those things that they had as like an option that parents could choose. And they wow. would call your parent could come in and do it instead of the instructor. But I remember that going away almost instantly. Dude, I so I have one baby and I have a kid on the way. There is no scenario ever that I could imagine giving someone else the I, – I won't even hit my son. I'll right. reprimand him. But right. like as an adult, you right. teach like emotional intelligence. Right, yes. All when, of this – oh, keep going. Sorry. Oh, I mean like we we were spanked maybe a handful of times total as young children yeah. – and then my parents kind of stopped doing that. So, yeah, it was it was weird even for the time that it was still around. Yeah. So. Okay. So, moving to 1843, we're in the United States. Mm-hmm. There was a guy named Horace Mann. He was in the U.S. Congress. And he traveled to Prussia because he was looking at what can we do to form a school system in the United States. He went to Prussia and he was blown away by how well they had these kids controlled. And he was like, we have unruly kids in America. We need to come up with something, um, you know, to have a uniform school system well, for our kids. Well, fun fact, yeah. before this point, so yeah. in the early 1800s and, and late 1700s, there were not really any laws about what makes a teacher or what makes a school. Right. There, okay, keep going. Cause I, but it keep, was the yeah. wild, wild everything. And yeah. so people could kind of just declare themselves teachers. Right. It's like or, being a comic. Yes, and, <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and they would there would have like there would be like teaching colleges, but it was just because some guy decided to open a teaching college, and you'd be it's like a karate school today. Yes, you'd be astonished how many cult leaders start a school teachers yeah. in that period because there's just no rules. Of course, and they dude. just kind of filter their way through. I just wonder how many of those guys were like did with the kids. hundred percent. There are you know so I mean? like, many like almost every single time we find a cult leader that's like he was a school teacher. He married one of his students when she was sixteen and it was, and at the time people were like, 
good for them. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't see an issue with it. Yeah, but, wow. I'm so, yeah. I'm Paige, I'm so glad you brought that up. This is so fun when like my guest kind of knows the topic. Right. Like, and you throw stuff in. But yeah, I read that it was just like transients that would yes. be teachers. And they would just show up like, hey, I'm in your town. Pay I'm the to... new teacher. Right. Yes. And people are like, I don't know, I guess. I don't know. And, and you know, from your research and whatnot, going to school was for the elite. It was very yeah. expensive. So, again, who are they going to prey on? People who probably are just like, oh, my God, a teacher's here. Thank like, God, yes. Yeah. Well, and when there wasn't a teacher in your town, you just didn't go to school. Yeah. So, right. like, there would be years. Like, there are gaps in people's education from, like, 9 to 13. And right. so even when people are like, they were pretty regularly schooled, it's nothing compared to, like, the school we have today. The amount that they could even learn or have access to at that time is so small. Yeah. So whenever people are like, well, why did they fall for con men? Like, why did they of fall course. for cult leaders? I'm yeah. like, they were uneducated. <laughs> yeah, like, literally. Literally. Like, truly, in, the, in the most real sense. <laughs> they can't read. Yeah. Um, well, in 1846, Massachusetts was the first state to have mandatory schooling. And it took until actually 1918 for it to be nationwide. It slowly started yeah. to come into effect. But to get us to how we ended up there, what really kicked off, you know, this guy Horace Mann was one of the first ones in the 1800s, but really we jumped to 1902. I'm assuming you've heard of John D. Rockefeller. Yes, of course. He is basically the reason we have the public school system that we have today. Well, that is troubling indeed. <laughs> oh, yes. Because he's not a good guy. <laughs> he was a terrible guy. I looked up a lot of stuff yeah. about him, and you'll probably know some of the things that we'll share with the guests, or the listeners. You are the guests, but the listeners. Right. I'm a little high too, guys. Um, but please, as we get into the different topics, you yeah. know, tag in here. But to start off, okay, so John D. Rockefeller had a guy named Frederick Gates. Do you know Frederick Gates? That name sounds very familiar. He was his personal business advisor. Yes. And he also established the General Education Board, which was kind of the initial mm -hmm. early days of how they're going to set up the school system. And it just happened to be that Frederick Gates was in charge of the General Education Board. Okay, so Rockefeller yeah. also fought very, very hard against workers' rights. Oh, because yeah. Because he didn't want them yep. to have weekends. He didn't want them to have breaks. He didn't want them to have any sort of rights for pay increases. He actively wanted a drone force. Yeah. So the yeah. fact that he is like, well, let's get the kids on it. That makes perfect sense. And this is also a time when they have just recently outlaw outlawed child labor. Mm -hmm. And yep. so I'm sure he's probably like, well, if I can't get them as kids. Right. How can I get them as slightly older than kids? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it creates a daycare system for the kids of the people who were working in the factory. Yep. And keep in mind, so, you know, about this time, um, to kind of go back through American history, it's the Industrial Revolution. It's this huge wave of getting people to move from the rural farms that they, you know, tended to live it's in. It's the Dust Bowl, too. Right. And come and start, you know, occupying these cities to work in these factories. And keep in mind, before this, I mean, people had bosses and things, mm -hmm. but, like, the concept of, like, showing up at this time, work these, like, super grueling hours, that was unheard of. Like, the workforce, I mean, obviously, like, you know, slave labor was terrible and working in the mines and stuff was hard, but, like, the sort of concept of being in a factory in this, like, 9 to 5 sets was totally new. So they needed to um, find a way to condition the public to get on board with it. Rockefeller gave about $180 million dollars to set up the General Education Board, which today would have been about one and a half billion. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, that sounds low today, but yeah, yeah inflation, yeah. Yeah, one and a half billion. Um, you know, we'll get into Rockefeller's philanthropy later, and it's like- Philanthropy, he me, was hiding money from the government. It's societal bribes. Yeah, it's, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a very bad man. <laughs> yeah, well, so just a couple other things to kind of set the stage. I didn't, I mean, I, I, the names that you hear about that are, you know, Carnegie, Rothschild, whatever, they were all super powerful. And I heard the name Rockefeller a lot, but I didn't realize, like, like people joke now about, like, Bezos and Elon Musk are going to run Nothing the world. compared. Dude, literally this guy could have been, like, the king of the planet. Yeah. Well, and Hearst, uh, another one which. William Randolph Hearst? Yes. Yep. Like, some of the stories about. A, what they were able to get away with and the power complex that they have and developed as a group to the point where they were trying to depose presidents and oh, stuff yeah. just because they wanted more money. Yeah, like, of course. It's wild how evil they were. I mean, They're like Bond villain levels of evil. It doesn't surprise me that 
that kind of power can do that to someone. hundred percent. Because, like, I've seen people go on power trips when they, like, run a cool bar show for comedy. Oh, this is, like, literally meaningless. And you're acting <laughs> yeah. like a tyrant. So if yes. you actually control an industry that the world depends on, yeah, of course you're going to be a lunatic. Yeah. You know, whenever, I'm not excusing it. No, no. It doesn't mean it's okay. But whenever people are like, Elon Musk did a weird thing. And I'm like, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Don't <laughs> like, you think? Dude? No, like, never expect him to do something normal. Ever. Yeah. I ever, mean, he's, ever. He's weird already. Plus, he's like the richest, most powerful, or like top three. And has right? never not been rich. So at his height, Rockefeller owned 90%. Of the oil production in the United States. Mm-hmm. Nine, nine zero, ninety percent. Yep. Now, he had a pretty rough upbringing. Do you know about his dad? Yes. So his, yeah. Yeah, so his dad was nicknamed Big Bill. He was William Rockefeller. And he was a con artist. I mean, he was a professional snake oil salesman. So was Donald Trump's grandfather. Not surprising. Say, uh, who opened a brothel in what is now like Seattle, but was basically billing wow. it as like a restaurant. It's Yeah. All of these people come from con artists. Yeah. If you trail it back enough, there's one car- con artist. Sure. Kinda, <laughs> and yeah. they just kept procreating. procreating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Big Bill was a psychopath. So he, first of all, a couple things. He had, a, he had two families that didn't know about each other for a while. Mm-hmm. He let the women know that, hey, I have a secret family on the, with the other lady. Somehow he convinced them to all live together as one big, happy sister-wife family. I mean, I, I like how you were, like, convinced. But this is a time when women had no choices. Yeah, fair. You're right. And so I think they're like, well, I can't have a house if it's not this house. Paige, that's such, like, a like a dumb man moment for me. Like, <laughs> like, I didn't even stop. I mean, I obviously that makes total sense. But I was just like, wow, he must have, like, tricked them. And then as a woman, you're like, no, they no, were forced. They were like, forced. Yeah. Uh, well, I, do not feel bad. I, I'm glad that you recognize it. But yeah. I think a lot of men read history sometimes and they're like, well, I would do this. And as a woman, I have to be like, oh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Until like very recently and there's still a lot of problems in play. Uh, none of that was applicable. Yeah. We only got credit cards in the 70s. Dude, I learned that recently. I could not believe that shit. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is We had TV. Wild. Mary Tyler Moore had already had a show. Like, like Lucille Ball yeah. was a television superstar. Could not have her own credit card. I mean, Could what? not manage her own bank account. Uh, just a couple more things about Big Bill. He would say, he would do things to, he didn't want his kids to trust anyone. So he would do stuff where he would have like Rockefeller stand on like a chair and he'd put his arms out like jump to daddy and then he would move and he would fall and hit the ground and do these like really sadistic things like that. He was quoted saying, I cheat my boys every chance I get. I want to keep them sharp. I think that on Arrested Development, the guy that doesn't have an arm that he's always like tricking the kids. Yeah. I think that's where that comes that from. That makes so much sense. Because it's very much that kind of vibe of like stay on your toe. Right. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but like, also he- trauma. Yeah, you see why Rockefeller was so screwed up. Oh, yeah. Some other things I found, and there's so much about Rockefeller. I didn't want to do too much because I want to get back into the school system. But we'll just come to the big highlights here and some of the things that really make him a monster. So September 25th was a holiday he created for himself. It was called Job Day, and it was to celebrate the day he had his first job. So this is real. He really did this. What a sad thing to celebrate. During the Civil War... Although he was drafted, he hired a professional soldier to take his place. Sure. Apparently that was very common if you had money. It's a yes. It was also common in the 70s for Vietnam. I don't know if you could do that in the 70s. I it knew- was tough to do, but because there were no computers. <sighs> that makes it okay. Yeah. But in, in the Civil War, you could like do it publicly. It wasn't mm. like a crime. It was like, no, as long as you got someone to go. To go. Yeah. So his big company that he had with Standard Oil. Mm-hmm. And Standard Oil was like a monopoly's monopoly. I mean, it was insane. And what's really interesting is he had really like mafia-like tactics mm-hmm. of how he would deal with competitors. So either he would buy them out at you know a very low rate, or if they wouldn't sell, then he would just drop his oil price down so low that they would lose all their customers. Right. And then when they went bankrupt, he would just He would take... buy them anyway. Right, yes. yeah. yeah. But eventually he realized this empire was really growing and he needed subordinates to control. So then when he bought out those companies, he just made those his lackeys that controlled the corporate board. Like Rome. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, today, it's very like, oh, of course, there's like a CEO and a board. But that wasn't a thing before Rockefeller. No, no. That was, I mean, most businesses were like family owned. Yeah. For so long, you know. Right. It was like that or like the king. Or the king. So he's really, this is our American version of a king. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he's the first person to really do that outside of a political figure. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and I'm sure he would have taken over politics if he, I mean, I'm sure, he, well, I know for yeah. a fact he did to some extent. But yeah, like, I was going to say, he tried. No, he definitely, sure. yeah. But just a couple, one, one thing I really want to highlight here. So Paige, in your uh, learnings about uh, mm -hmm. Rockefeller, did you ever learn about the 1914 Ludlow Massacre? No. You don't know about this? I don't. Please okay. enlighten me. So in 1914, 21 people were killed. Now what happened was 75% of the coal that was mined was mined by Rockefeller's like subsidiary companies. Okay. And a lot of that was used for various things they needed. And it was, uh, shocked is no one, a terrible working situation. Still is, yeah. For these guys. Um, the workers that worked under his uh, coal companies died at twice the rate of the normal national average. Which, by the way, national average, not great. No. <laughs> it's and a it lot was, of people. And just to highlight, I listened to a podcast that explained what it was like. These men spent all of their time in basically total darkness, except for a candle. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, using primitive, like, not uh, machinery, like really, you know, basic tools to mine coal. They would die very young from lung illness, and they were constantly, like, crawling on their hands and knees. It was brutal, brutal work. They were also paid in company cash. Yes, that's correct. They didn't yes. even get real money. Didn't give them real money. So um, the, the workers and their families lived in these company towns. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, if you work for us, you have a free place to stay, quote unquote. And but you then were, you can't leave because you didn't make any money. So right. you have no choice but to continue working there. And you could only, like you said, or spend the like credit that you, or it was called script. You could only spend mm -hmm. the script in the company store. Yep. Just to, just to really hammer that in for people listening, right? Imagine you worked at like McDonald's. And the only place you could live was, like, the McDonald's apartment building. Which, God, can you imagine uh, how terrible that would be? And the only food you were credited was McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure people would die at twice the rate at yeah. that point. So over the course of 30 years, 1,700 miners died. That's, on average, one per week. Imagine Jeez. once a week one of your coworkers, co-workers dies, died. right? And over that 30-year period with those 1,700 deaths... Do you know how many times the company found was found to be legally at fault? Oh, zero. I'm betting it's one. zero. One? It was one. One breakout case. We got to give them one. One. And I'm sure as soon as that happened, Rockefeller like either bribed that judge or got him kicked out of it. Something. You know. There's like one story about a guy got like hit in the head with some piece of metal and was left like on the ground to bleed out for like four hours. Oh, jeez. And before they like did anything to help, it was... I mean, like you said, he just wanted robot slave labor. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't view people as people. He right. views people as tools. So, listen, I'm not going to by any means defend someone like Bezos, but when I hear of those practices, I'm like, oh, this isn't new. No, this it's is, not new. Yeah. But but that's also why people have to keep speaking out about it. Of and course. When, when people yeah. are like, well, why would they want a union? I'm like, because they will take advantage of them. Yeah. They, they want to. The only thing stopping them is the law, and that's not even really stopping them. So, yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know. I mean, I know that there's a lot of good that comes from unions. I know there's been a lot of corruption, it, too. Catch-22, yes. But it's definitely better yes. than, like, one, like, tyrannical oligarch that runs everything. Absolutely. Um, so, anyway. So, things hit critical mass. 12,000 workers go on strike. And they wanted to unionize. They couldn't. So, they're like, we're going to strike then. Screw this. So, 90% of the... Mining workforce went on strike. They got oh, I bet he took that great. <laughs> oh, he was yeah, he was thrilled. Yeah. So they got kicked out of their Houses. Rockefeller housing, and they set up tent cities mm -hmm. around the mining area because they wanted to also intimidate like scabs. That was the term people don't know. Right. If you were to you know go um, work while the um, strike was happening, and the town of Ludlow had twelve thousand excuse me twelve hundred of the people striking, and that was the where this massacre we're going to talk about in a second took place so of course rockefeller even though he like denied that he was super directly involved but he hired a mercenary force to go and just intimidate these people so they would do things like they would have super bright lights and shine it in their tents so they couldn't sleep drive their cars around honk the horns and it would just it would escalate so then there was a security patrol car known as the death special and they would drive around and shoot their rifles just over the tents and, like, again, just really horrible terrorizing. It got to the point where actually the Colorado National Guard got involved 
on the side of the mercenaries terrorizing of course. the illegal strike because they were squatting and, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like when we did cult podcast episodes on Joseph Smith mm -hmm. and the state of Missouri is like, kill all Mormons on site. <laughs> like, yeah, which, dude. I mean, hey, the Mormons were not doing great stuff, but you can't just like exterminate people. Well, dude, I mean, look what happened at Waco. Uh, well, that's complicated, but sure, yes, yeah. yes. I don't think that was the intention. No, I don't think so. I think that was accidental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was poor planning. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think stuff. our government intended to slaughter those people. No, I don't think so. They, uh, do I think they stopped when it was it, it, when it was clear that that's what's going to happen? No, right. <laughs> that's where they were things like, well, get. We're this far in now. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there were some definite mistakes made, but like with the Mormons, Missouri's just like kill them, not nah, kill them. Yeah. Back to the Ludlow Massacre. So this went on for six months. They're just Jeez. terrorizing. And then it got to a critical mass where basically things started to hit ahead. The guys who were in the group of the miners striking, they were convening. They're like, I think we need to just like get our rifles and bum rush to the, um, you know, at the guards. But the guards saw this. They started mounting with machine guns on like they were. So they were kind of high up looking down into the miners. Right. Mm. And then story goes that they set off some dynamite to try to intimidate the miners, but the miners thought that they were attacking them. So then bullets started flying, and it was like a total melee. In total, 21 people were killed, including women and children. This went on for 10 days, by the way. It wasn't like 21 people died quickly. Because of all the chaos, a lot of the people had dug pits under their tents to hide in before the shooting went, just like from the... From uh, the people firing at their tents. Correct. Thank you. Because obviously they're not going to shoot. Yeah. And they just, you know, um, and that actually unfortunately backfired because a lot of fires broke out and a lot and of those people got stuck out. in the pits when their tent was on fire. Well, that That's a lot like Waco where they get stuck <clears throat> in the room downstairs while it, yeah. it burns over them. Very, yeah. very similar. Mm -hmm. In the course of uh, seven months, 200 people died. Jeez. So it was pretty bad. And keep in mind, again, this is Rockefeller who yeah. kicked this whole thing off. Well, yeah, imagine that at your local Amazon fulfillment center and they're just like, 200 people have died here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy even today. And right, they're like, or they're like, one person a week dies. One person a week dies, yeah. Eventually, though, when all the dust settles, we finally end up with the eight-hour workday and weekends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something came out of it. Reluctantly, though. And they, they fight to change it back pretty much oh, for the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's just some highlights of Rockefeller, who he was. Back to our guy, Frederick T. Gates. Mm -hmm. So he was overseeing the creation of the modern school system through the General Education Board. Now, I have a quote here I'm going to mm -hmm. read from one of his papers he put out. Okay. Now, you, I would say, are an expert in cults. Sure. And cult leaders. Yes. Right? And sort of their doctrine and how they, mm -hmm. you know, build their cult. So you tell me, Paige, if this sounds like the work of a cult leader or mm -hmm. someone who is writing on behalf of a cult leader. Sure. Now, this is from a paper called The Country School of Tomorrow. Now, this is not hidden somewhere. It's not hard to find. This was published by the General Education Board to publicly say, hey, this is what we're going to do, okay? <clears throat> Quote, in our dream, we have limitless resources and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hand. The present educational conventions fade from their minds, and unhampered by tradition, we work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or men of science. We have not raised up from among them authors, editors, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, statesmen, of whom we have ample supply. The task we set before ourselves is very simple as well as very as, as a very beautiful one. To train these people as we find them to a perfectly ideal life just where they are. So we will organize our children into a little community and teach them to do in a perfect way the things their fathers and mothers are doing in an imperfect way in the homes, in the shops, and on the farm. I mean, I feel like it's a little on the nose and a cult leader wouldn't just write that out and <laughs> leave it out for people to find. I feel yeah. like that would give it away a bit. Uh, but that that 
line about we already have enough artists. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Because yeah. like people are going to die. But the reality is that like they don't want artists. They don't want philosophers. They don't yeah. want doctors. They want people that they can control. And all of those things are free thinking. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like not only that. It's like, oh, we got lawyers. We got like, any job where you can like make something of yourself. Right. We got enough of that, dude. Enough. We're going to. But, you know, listen, I do understand in some ways there is an argument to be fair to an extent, to play devil's advocate, there's an argument that, like, you know, people need to learn how to read and write and do math. Of course. And, you know, and, and um, even people would say, well, like, I don't have kids. Why should I pay for public school? And people say, because you are creating a society yes. where people have basic functional skills right. to, you know, be part of a collective. Absolutely. A rising tide lifts all boats. And it's yeah. one of those things where I don't mind paying taxes toward, I don't have children. Uh, yeah. But I think it benefits all of us yeah. for everyone to be literate and able to do math and everything. And I think at a certain degree, mandating that and providing that is a good thing. Yeah. It's it's the when it turns to like, but we want to limit the creativity and freedom. And that's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. And also just the way we do schooling now is not applicable to the way society works in it 2022. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends on how and where you went to school and what they yeah, taught sure. in school where there's I feel exceptions like th sure. there's definitely exceptions i feel like there were some things that my school taught incredibly well yeah. and provided experiences that i would not have gotten in public school and it has right. set me up very very well for the life i live now i mean my school let me take three periods of art in a row my senior year so That's like good. but but dude yeah that is the way it should be right yeah i'm a i'm a very especially now that i have a kid I'm so big on, like, he needs to go to school. He will go to some school, probably like a sure. monastery school or something. But as his father and with my wife's help, his mother, we are in charge of making sure he's getting educated. You know, Mark Twain has a famous quote, don't let school get in the way of your education. A hundred percent. I think that's a huge part of it is, like, school can only do so much. Yeah. You as a parent do have a responsibility to help shape your child yeah. in ways that school just cannot. It's it's a lim a a limit of the institution as a rule. Yeah, and it's like, I just think about, to me, listen, is it good to learn like the periodic table and Shakespeare and stuff? Theoretically, sure. But like, I just think about as an adult, all of the things, and people might argue, well, that's the parent's job. I'm just saying, that aside, if school is to prepare you to be a uh, well-adjusted um, functional adult, like, we should have classes on not... Not even just like financial literacy, but conflict resolution, how so to have healthy conversation, yeah. emotional intelligence, yeah. you know, how to negotiate. What are your basic civil rights when dealing with the police? Oh, yeah, that's one. We should, we should definitely include that one. All right, guys, before we wrap up this episode, I want to take a second and thank our friends over at Stash Monkey. If you've got a stash you're looking to store safely and responsibly, Stash Monkey's got you covered. Stash Monkey is a combination locking, smell-proof stash box that you can use to store cannabis, prescriptions, or really just about anything you want to store safely. The owner's a friend of mine, and he invented Stash Monkey because, just like me, he's a dad who enjoys cannabis and wants to store his stash safely and responsibly. I own one myself, and it's a great product. It comes with a built-in rolling tray and a removable silicone organizer you can use for things like vape pens and cartridges. Stash Monkey's a big supporter of all of our podcasts on the Skewed Orbit Network, and if you want to order one, head over to stashmonkeystore.com slash skewed. Again, that's stashmonkeystore.com slash skewed, spelled S-K-E-W-E-D. You'll save 5% on your order, and it really helps out the show. So, uh, Andrew Carnegie, the steel tycoon. Yes. He also was getting into the uh, education molding game. He mm -hmm. was like, listen, Rockefeller's got his thing going on. I need to get in on this. So he created the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. These organizations were how they could, you know, funnel tax money away from the government. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in 1910, the Rockefeller Foundation was um, formed. And between the uh, Carnegie um, uh, Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching and the Rockefeller Foundation, um, and also with the Ford Foundation, they were all colluding to basically 
make their factory worker breeding ground. Now, oh, yeah. people, assembly line. Yep. I mean, if you think about the way school is structured, mm-hmm. right? You respond to a bell. Yep. You sit in a very strict formation. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of memorization. I mean, some schools do do, um, you know, activities that foster critical thinking, creativity. That was my and, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of it is just memorization. And you want people just skilled enough to be able to do the job you want them to do. But, I mean, that's why there's no classes on entrepreneurship. So here's something interesting. So I had econ in in school. But I also had a class that involved, like, learning how to, like, fill out a job application and balance a checkbook and stuff. But then we also had public speaking that same year. It's very important. So, like, my senior year, I had, like, a whole cluster of stuff. Now, granted, I was already working (laughs) by that point. So I was like, yeah, I know how to fill out job applications. But, like, other people might not have. And so... That element had started to creep in already when I was in school, but I would talk to some of like, like I when I found out my friends from public school never read 1984, and I was like, really? Yeah, wow. and I was like, what? Like that was on the AP list. Like what are we doing? That's crazy. The, and and one of my friends who I, I asked about it specifically, she's like, well, we watched Gattaca, and I was what? like, that's not the same. They watched a movie. They watched a movie, and my so oh, like God, I haven't heard that movie, and so that's the, I know. Is that the one? I'm pretty sure I've seen it. It's like 1984, basically, but it's, it's very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also like my senior year, especially a lot of like our English cal- classes kind of functioned like a college class more, where yeah. it was like we're not just memorizing. We all read this, and then we're gonna have a debate about it. What what it means, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I lucked out. Let's put it that way. Yeah, because you didn't go to public school. Now, yes. again, listen, I understand a lot of people cannot afford to go to public school. Well, my school. mom worked at our school, so. Uh, well, there you go. There yeah. you go. Um, what I'm a proponent of is a massive overhaul of what we – I think that everyone should have access to education. Yes. I'm not anti-free school options. I'm a fan of massively um, I'm updating. a fan of better free school options yes. for everyone. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just to kind of um, double down on – the idea that Rockefeller and Carnegie and Ford were colluding together. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, was that a conspiracy? No, no. this is 100% real. In the 1950s, Congress put together what was known as the Reese Committee. Are you familiar with this? Yep. And they, yeah, and they investigated these guys, and they found um, it was headed um, by a guy named Norman Dodd. He was the um, uh, congressperson in charge of this investigation. And there's a great video on YouTube of him um, breaking this down. And he said, yeah, it is 100% without a fact that they all colluded together. Well, that's also, so the movie that's out right now, Amsterdam, is mm-hmm. about about like 20 years before the Reese Commission, yeah. in which that whole group of executives tried to get rid of FDR. Yep. Like right. actively tried to. Tried to overthrow there is the president. proof that it happened, yeah. And then they just still got to go on being Rockefeller for like I mean, 20 more years. Yeah, people talk about like, the storm in the Capitol and Hunter Biden, Biden's laptop. And, you know, it's like, dude, you think that shit was crazy? You, it was literally back in the day. I mean, people are like. It is you, also crazy. Of course. No. Yeah. Obviously. People taking shits on desks in Congress is crazy. I'm not. I'm not um, downplaying. Oh, no. What for that sure. Was. I just mean that, like, dude, it's not. It's not the first time that, like, insane people have tried to, like, co-opt the government. And, oh, I mean, in Rome, they just used to stab people. So. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, the, I guess the one key difference is. That was a legit mob. This was like the actual uh, secret right. elite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another, th- another thing that really helped push um, getting the public on board for massive public education. Um, not surprising. This is America. This is history. In the 1920s, there was a really big wave of Catholic immigrants coming in. Yeah. From Italy and, and Ireland. Ireland. Yep. Yeah. And then the mostly Protestant country was like, hey, uh, get that Pope shit out of here. <laughs> So That's my Italian uh, ancestors came over slightly, slightly before that, uh, like right around the turn of the century. They were here for the San Francisco earthquake. So, OK, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was another big thing is like um, there was a lot of paranoia that if we didn't get them kind of like conditioned in public schools, they would, you know, believe in this stuff that they were afraid of from Catholics. And that's why my grandmother doesn't speak Italian or did not speak Italian prior to her death. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 actively tried to americanize wow yeah yeah mm-hmm. which i you know it's important to assimilate to an extent but it's a shame to lose your culture yes and it's and it's really a shame to shame someone's culture yeah, um, i mean america is good at that though. yeah well <laughs> it's our national of, pastime <laughs> i mean it might as well be um just to kind of um jump to today where we're at um the average 18 year old spends about fifteen thousand hours in school 
by the time wow. they graduate. And I just really want to think about, like, if I reflect on, like, now I understand when you're really young, it's hard to, like, make school, like, super productive. It's sort right. of just the basics. But, like, if you spent 15,000 hours doing something and, like, that's the proficiency level. Like, when you just look at, like, the average high school graduate, right? Yeah. 15,000 hours and, like, you're proficient at what? I Studying mean, for tests? Like, I learned how to edit film in high see, school. See, that is valuable. <laughs> I know, right? You literally I use, use that skill all the now. Time. Yeah, and write scripts. I wrote a t- I used, had to write a ton of scripts in high school. There's a lot of stuff I can kind of point back to like, yeah, I, I did this as a teenager and now I kind of do it all the time. Right. Uh, I mean, my job, to be honest, like as far as podcast goes, is basically writing research papers all the time. Yeah, and you do a great job at it. Thank you. My favorite, I don't even think this was on cult, pers- like the podcast, but Armando, your co-host, just told me this story. Um, there was a guy... The lawyer, I okay. think his name's Paul. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, Synanon, Paul Morantz, who took down Synanon. Yeah. Yes, okay. So Synanon is this crazy cult. Yep. And he took them down in court. Yeah. And then people that were followers of Synanon were pissed. They put a so, rattlesnake in his mailbox. So they chopped off the rattle mm-hmm. and put a rattlesnake in his mailbox. And then, so he wouldn't hear it, he opened his mailbox. The snake jumps out and bites him. On the neck. Yeah, he then... Yeah. Like snaps this uh, snake's he neck, killed the snake with his hands. <laughs> yes, and then walks to his neighbor and bangs the door and he's like, "This bit me." Collapsed. Yeah. They so they showed like, "Hey, this bit me." Called nine one one. He gets to the hospital. They save his life. He, somehow he gets his hands back on the dead snake, and he. The followers got their hands on the snake. The followers did. Okay. And we don't know if it's the snake or a snake. We're pretty sure it's the snake, but we don't know for sure. But either way, he had the bones of the snake crafted into the, like, symbol of the the cult he took down. That is the most gangster shit I have ever fucking heard. I mean, that is incredible. Paul Morantz is a fucking badass. And, And the reason that they, like, put the snake in his mailbox is because he had defended, as a lawyer... Uh, a girl who had escaped. Yeah. And they were winning that case. Now, after the snake bit him, like, they had been ordered to pay out for that girl's case, and it yeah. was kind of really hurting the cult. But after the snake bit him, he sued them. Good. <laughs> and won, of course, yeah. which literally bankrupted the cult. Like, he took them down yeah. because they bit him. But, yeah, in his house, it's, like, mounted on, like, a wood thing. It was... We walked through, and he, like, collects Synanon paraphernalia. Dude, I love that. And people who have gotten out, like, he talks to people who have gotten out regularly. Yeah. And a lot of them really, because they had gone to him as a lawyer, really trust him. Yeah. And, and feel uh, a kind of kinship with him. And those are the people that gave him the mounted snake. I see. So okay. I, I think that's kind of how it happened. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. It was super fascinating. So if you want to hear more stories like that, listen to Cult Podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, so a couple things to wrap up here just about where we're at today with the school system. So in 1971, the average cost per student was about $4,300 per year. It is now 12000 per year. And it's definitely uh, not better. Um, yeah. We've tried some things. You know, there was No Child Left Behind that George W. Bush did. Which um, actually ended up hurting a lot oh, of yeah. kids. Um, and then in 2009, we spent $15 billion making Common Core. Do you know what Common Core is? So I I do. My mom teaches in private schools. She teaches at the school that I went to. Yeah. And so she has some frustrations around a lot of the standardized testing and, yeah. and stuff that we do because it doesn't it isn't a true measure of learning Not necessarily. Um, here's the crazy thing though. The, yeah. the few times I've been exposed to common core, I struggled with math so hard in school. Yeah. I've looked at it and I'm like, Oh, that makes sense though. That, that is kind of how I oh, got okay. through it. So I fully support having options for people whose brains work differently. Yeah. Cause I well, do think that definitely that would have helped. I suck at math for the record. I'm not a yeah, math guy. I was real bad at I it. I feel like out of all the math I had to take in school, I just never, you know, it was so funny and I'm not, I'm far from the first person to like make this observation, but it's so funny to me. I've heard people say this when I, I was in school, there's always that line like, Oh, what are you going to have a calculator on you all the time? Yes. And then now, yes, literally I do. Everyone does. I have a computer with me at yeah. all times. Is that making me dumber? Probably. Probably. I don't care because it makes yeah. me know more about Mothman. There you go. So yeah. am I dumber? You yeah. tell me. Uh, so one last quote. To finish off where we're at with the school system. So there was a guy named John T. Gatto. He was um, 
um, awarded public school teacher of the year three times by the New York City school system. So he was a very well-respected teacher. He's mm-hmm. dedicated his life to teaching. He loved teaching. And I, want, I should have said this at the beginning, just to, for the record, I respect teachers. I don't think teachers are the problem. No, not at all. It's, I think that's sort of clear from the episode, but just to clarify, it's the system right. that ruins what teaching is. Well, and burns teachers out. I mean, they're yeah. not being paid enough. They don't have the resources they need. No. They want kids to learn. Like, that's why they got into it. And now, too, there's, like, such an uptick in, like, crazy parents. And I have teachers in my family, and uh, I won't name. I'll just be vague. But there's been, in the past decade, they've really seen, like, this insane new wave. It's wild. Every time I'm home, my mom has emails from parents. And it's parents of, like... Your kid didn't show up to class. Oh, well, we went on vacation and we didn't gather the homework, yeah. but somehow this is your fault as the teacher. Is she is she a teacher? She is, yeah. yeah. She teaches... Uh, I know she worked at the school. I wasn't sure if she was an No, she's, she's a teacher. She used to teach uh, 12th grade AP, okay. AP English for a yeah. long time, uh, but not when I was taking it. That was one of the years she was teaching regular English. Yeah. Um, and I think now it's more... I think she teaches 8th grade and a couple 12th grades and oh, kind of a mix her. of a bunch of stuff. She is a so. true multi-hyphenate, right? Yeah, I mean, mostly all English. Okay, but that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, John Tigato, the very respected teacher, um, when he was reflecting on his career that he dedicated uh, to teaching in the public school system, this is what he had to say. Slowly, I began to realize that the bells and the confinement, the crazy sequences, the age segregation, the lack of privacy, the constant surveillance, and all the rest of the national curriculum of schooling were designed exactly as if someone had set out to prevent children from learning to think and act to coax them into addiction and dependent behavior. Interesting. We did still have bells, though, at my school. It's not the bells alone. No, no, it's like a whole thing. But it's one of those things that it's all people always bring up the bells first. And I'm like, well, we do need to know when to get there. Yeah, you need some order. Like, yeah, you can't be like totally like, what do you want to do? Like, if it was, yeah, you need some structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But Paige, that was the uh, public school system and how we got there. What do you think? That was wild. I mean, I I had a good private school experience. Mm -hmm. And it is very expensive. I'm very happy. My parents... A, worked at the school, and B, sacrificed to make it happen. But it's also not available to everybody else. So I'm in the same boat as you. Of like, yeah. I want people to have the level of school that I had. I think right. it would be better for everybody, you know, to have those, you know, opportunities for critical thinking and exploration yeah. and creativity. I'm, I'm a big proponent. And just to kind of – we said this before, but to say it again, you know, the early 1900s is when this was set up. Yes. So we're 120 years overdue right. from like updating it. I, To me, my biggest gripe is the curriculum in the sense mm. of what I said before. We should have classes about, you know, what's a healthy relationship, you know? I mean, what is? Like, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. right? You know, um, like we talked about before, conflict resolution. I'm bummed that home ec is gone. And I know that's a crazy no, hill to die on, but well, I, I'm like... So many times I meet people my age who didn't learn to cook. Yeah. Because they, mean, their parents worked and, you know, whatever. And there's a part of me that's like, I would have loved a class like that. 100%. I would have loved it. And and it's and then the more, like, really specific practical things, like how do credit cards work? Yeah, how What's do credit cards work? What's the stock market? We actually did credit cards and the stock market my senior year. Because you went to a private because school. Because I went to yeah, a private school. Go. Uh Yeah. So maybe one day, you know, small steps. But uh, yeah. Paige, thank you so much for being here. Please remind everybody how they can check out all your podcasts. You have so many. I they're lot. so great and so different. So yeah, tell everybody. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I you can hear me on Cult Podcast, obviously, uh, and then also Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod. If you didn't hear my voice enough today, so Cult Podcast is all about cults. It's all very about funny. cults. Horror Virgin is, is horror movies. Uh, there's three of us on the show one of us has never seen most horror movies and hates horror I movies and the other two of us are huge fans great so we're choosing movies to force him to which watch. one are you? you're you're the yes fan. yeah no uh horror was one of my genre specialties in film school okay which but if you send your kid to private school they might go to film school that's just something What's, you have to you know reconcile uh give me your like mount rushmore of horror films oh uh the thing okay i i love the shining i know it's a controversial choice I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. That is, those are my time. It's not that I can't think of any. It's that I'm thinking of too many. Yeah. It's um, okay. I, I kind of love modern horror. 
Okay. This year alone, I would pick five. Like, does that make sense? Sure. I, I um, I like. I mean, I'm, I'm like a take it or leave it horror fan. Mm. You know, I like it. Yeah. I was really into it in like my middle school age mm. when I like Chucky. Oh, Alien. Jason. Alien. Yeah. Oh, Alien slash Aliens. Okay, so that's like the horror sci-fi. I guess that counts yeah, yeah, horror yeah. sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And then I love Terminator, which a lot of people don't consider horror, but it is truly a slasher. I guess you're right. So what? Yeah. Um. This is a little, we'll do like a kind of like a little bonus part of the podcast. Yeah, now sure. I really want to ask you about this. Okay, so what technically needs to be in the film to define it as horror? So I have a pretty open definition, okay. honestly. Now there are some that I'm like, for me, is the intent of the movie to frighten? Mm-hmm. That's that, your, okay. your baseline to so, some degree. So let me throw out an example: Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic Park is a horror movie. It is. Okay. I think it's a zombie movie with dinosaurs. What about like? Um, Armageddon. Ooh, interesting. I would not typically classify Armageddon as a horror movie, but I also think that the point of the movie is to kind of like display a drama within a family and then also a romance on top of it. Did you see Don't Look Up? I have not seen Don't Look Up. It's on my list. Because it's in that sort of walks that line. And that's disaster comedy film. So disasters I usually put as action, Mm -hmm. depending, but their their intent is to frighten. So depending on what the disaster is, maybe it pushes it to or from horror. Yeah. I um let me think for me, because I uh what what are my top ones? Um Man, it's just, it's tough. I, I don't yeah. I don't think about horror films a lot. It's not like my go to for film, but I but I there's a few. Let me just I'll just I don't know if these are my favorites, but these are ones that I've really enjoyed. From yeah, what, from yeah, what yeah, I remember. of course. Um, the Scream franchise, the See, earlier ones more so. I'm lukewarm on Scream. The first one's a classic. Yeah. absolutely. The subsequent ones, I'm kind of most sequels meh. are a letdown. True. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, but fr- it's it's just not my franchise. Well, what was in you know now it's like okay whatever. But yeah, when they had two killers, it was like whoa. There's yes. Two killers. That was you know, um. So uh, scream. We'll just do scream one for this. Um. Dawn of the Dead. Love it. Yeah, that's a the classic one. But, but like 1971. No, I'm, 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 I, I like you mean 2004? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I, Fine. I, all right. <laughs> I just like it. It was fun. When she has that baby, real creepy. Um, yeah. Um, just sort of the uh, uh, Chucky 2, Child's Play 2. Child's Play 2 is great. That's a, that's that a is, phenomenal horror we film. We just did that one like two yeah. weeks ago because we do sequel month in October. Okay. Uh, and we just did Child's Play 2, and it holds up. Yeah. That movie is fun and a half. Um, I didn't. I never watched the series. I don't know if the series is It's good. good. It is? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to do an oddball. For my last pick for the Mount Rushmore. Last one, the whole franchise of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Interesting. The TV show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's great gateway horror. Yeah. I well, think. It's good, like, for kids. I mean, it's a kid's yeah. horror, you know. I think for my last one of the five, I think I have to go Evil Dead 2. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen the Evil Dead movies. I know I know of them. I know they're iconic. I, know. I, I would say don't watch the newest one until you've watched all the others. Oh, you know what? I definitely would say as uh, if I had to put an asterisk and like this is high um, uh-huh. horror sci-fi district nine. Oh, district nine's great. That, that was like a yeah. great film on its own. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. And then your last podcast, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Romancing the pod. What's that uh, about? It's very, very similar. Same host as horror virgin, but we do rom-coms. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then let me do my Mount Rushmore of rom-coms to finish this up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this technically counts. I think it does. I legitimately love The Notebook. I'm not kidding. Really? I, I, now, the f- murder-suicide film. No. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movies are like, you know, The Departed mm-hmm. and Goodfellas, and, you know, like yeah. that. But I really love The Notebook. I am a cheesy romantic. Like, I'm married. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I like that old school romance stuff. Um, what are the ones that I'm like, that was, she's all that? I do love She's All That. She's and it holds that. up, too, because yeah. we did that, like, last year, I think. It was really good. Um, so, Notebook, She's All That. I haven't seen a ton, so let me let me really think here for a second. Um, I don't – this doesn't really count, but I'm going to just throw it in because um, I don't have a good way to whatever 40-year-old virgin. I think that counts. Oh, it does? I think it's more yeah. – it's like a – Well, because it's, it's kind of – it's more about him and coming to terms with his life and his yeah. – embracing who he is but in doing so he does find a partner yeah so yeah i'll I'll count it and last one uh it's a different kind of romance a romance of friendship super bad ah (laughs) see have you seen book smart i know i need to see it i know i need to i actually prefer it 
to yeah. Superbad, but very similar movies. I'm sure it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, if people don't know, it's a very funny movie about two women of the age about Superbad, mm -hmm. but they're uh, getting into shenanigans. I don't. Almost, ex it is, I kid you not, almost exactly the same movie as Superbad, but with two women, and that kind of changes the vibe in a yeah. very interesting way, but I really, really like it. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to, I'm sure it's on some of the streaming. Oh, yeah, for so. sure. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, awesome. Paige, thank you again so much. Guys, go listen to Paige's podcast. Thank like you. I said, everybody's been a great guest this season, but Paige is like a legit professional <laughs> podcaster. So if you like this, check out her shows. Um, and with that, I've been your host, Alex Getlin. We will see you next time.